Lovejoy, actually. <laughs> I have got the world's biggest gin. Amazing. I've got the world's most purple gin. It doesn't Ooh, really look purple nice. on camera. It looks more blue, really, doesn't it? But it is purple, I promise. Um, so, hello. Welcome to Lovejoy, actually. Uh, a recap podcast about 90s comedy drama, Lovejoy. Or is it a comedy drama? I'm never sure. It's a drama. It is a comedy drama. They used to call. They used to always call it a yeah. comedy drama, and it does make me laugh. I, I think intentionally. It is funny. I <laughs> know oh, it does. Well, this one was was quite funny, although it was funny and borderline misogyny of the <laughs> week. Shall we introduce ourselves? Yes, I'm Helen. I'm M. And I'm Paul. And yes, we are Lovejoy. Actually, I don't know if we've ever said that before, but we are. I think I think we probably have said that many, many times. But I like the fact now, you know how I always say, oh, well, everybody must know who we are right now. But actually, there was a message on the Twitter. Today, we had a message on the Twitter from somebody in Kansas who said that they've just started listening to the podcast. Oh. They implied that they've just started watching Lovejoy because of the podcast, which amuses me <laughs> hugely. How would you find this podcast if you well, like probably through Midsummer had never Maniacs. Seen Lovejoy. Oh. Probably through Midsummer oh, Maniacs. I think through people who are following at Lovejoy actually on Instagram, which is a beautiful Insta account uh, about a dog called Lovejoy who lives in New York. And I love him. Aww. I just love him. Well, it could also be that. Well, this person <laughs> replied, they, it's somebody who's called Pi Pi or Pi Pi or Pee Pee, Pi Pi Grace. Um, who replied to Em's? I posted a picture of Em's uh, birthday present, which anybody that hasn't seen should go on the Twitter yes. uh, and look at Em's Live, Laugh, Love, Joy cushion, which is marvellous. I mean, that is great advice if you've had a shit day. How many times have we done this podcast and I've started out really grumpy and by the end I'm in a really, really good mood? Because you've lived, laughed and loved Lived, laughed and loved joyed. That is a yeah. good advice things. for life. So we're discussing series six, episode eight, Fruit of the Desert. Which I'd completely forgotten about until I looked at it, uh, until I watched it, and actually really rather enjoyed it. I, enjoyed I do it. know, I do know, and I can't now find where it was, which really annoys me. A lot of people have commented about where those baths were that it opens at this Turkish bath. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I, I think, think I they might... were... Oh, sorry, were you going to say you know? I was about to say they were either closed down or were due to be closed down, and there was a campaign about them flying around a couple of years ago, but I can't remember where they are. They're in London, but I can't remember where they are. Hmm. Where do you think they are? Well, I think they're somewhere in the city where above ground in amongst all these steel and glass skyscrapers there's this beautiful little green tiled magical little baths entrance basically i don't know if the mm. baths are still open i assumed it was there but i do know that um a new thermal bath has opened in london because i'm being flooded with adverts for it because i bloody love a spa I just love, I love a spa. I was so jealous at the opening of this. But before we get into it, Polly, do you have a cocktail? So I looked at various recipes and I've just thrown them all out of the window and I'm going to go for uh, a vodka sour because it's got vodka in it and it's got egg in it. Now, Mm. Helen won't understand why I've chosen this because it has nothing to do with uh, fruits of the desert or or shit or um, uh, any of the... uh, 
uh, diplomats, the desert related. No, oh, that's the one I was going to do. I was going to do a diplomat cocktail. That was the one mm. I was going to do, which would have ah, some sort of borderline. But I've gone with a vodka sour because it has in it um, uh, vodka, lemon juice, uh, bitters, egg white, and a cherry and a wedge of lemon, which I love, sounds quite I nice. Love sour, like a sour, and I, and I like that I like as well. Amaretto so sours. Mm. See, I can't have that, but I like, but I do like a vodka sour. I do like, and um, it's very apt uh, because it has egg in it. But as I say, Helen won't know why this is. Uh, do you want to? Would you like to share with the podcast why? Um, so last night it was the European um, football final between England and Italy. In the <coughs> time talk about that. that. So no. I had to watch that until 11. And then, so I didn't start watching Lovejoy until 11. And I was very sleepy. And so, yeah, I basically, towards the end of this episode, I kind of nodded off. That is fair enough. Um, not because of the episode. I like Polly. I really enjoyed this episode. But I, apparently I missed a Fabergé egg. Which actually had quite a considerable place in the plot. It wasn't just a... So the egg is quite central. The egg the egg was not... Because, you know, you see the egg. You get Chekhov's egg, obviously, when he opens the safe and he shuts it again and the egg becomes integral to the plot. Um, but in a, in a humorous way. It creates both the comedy and the drama, I would argue, in this episode. Uh, but we'll fill you in, Helen. It's I think right. I missed the egg. I think I even missed Chekhov's egg. Just missed that because I definitely was awake. It was such a the, beautiful egg as well. It was it a was beautiful so egg. so beautiful. If you, can tell yeah. you, if you can tell your Fabergé egg from your French fry. So we've, said, <laughs> we've given you a few clues already about what happens in this episode we know there's a Fabergé egg we know there's a um there's a hammam yeah or whatever yes. you're calling it um hammam wanna, is the correct word well done but do you want to know what UK TV play want yes. to say about it? um actually so this week the UK TV play uh summary contained a typo so there's a little game excellent for you and um you two to play uh Em and Paul okay excellent I, I haven't I've got a jingle Spot the typo. Okay. Okay, so, so I'm going to read it as it was written. You, you just have right. to tell me when. Okay. With the typo. Okay. okay, so Wheeler Dealer Drama. Lovejoy mm. is in deep when he borrows money from a loan shark to purchase previous items from an ex-diplomat. Can he scam his way out? Did they spell loan, L-O-N-E? Oh, so it's a typo that you can hear. Oh, it's a typo that you can hear. It's, it's a mm. podcast-friendly game. Oh, okay. Say it again. Shall I read it again? Because I read it and I was like, that doesn't make sense, but it's because it's a typo. Wheeler Dealer Drama. Lovejoy is in deep when he borrows money from a loan shark to purchase previous items from an ex-diplomat. Oh, I know what it is. Can he scam his way out? Yes, I M. actually knew the first time. I don't know why I didn't just know immediately. It's previous instead of precious. Yes! Yes! Ah, <laughs> yes! Well done! Do, 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 do. What do I win? Is that a Lovejoy cushion? Yeah, <laughs> you win my eternal respects. You see, I read that and thought that doesn't make sense and then just sort of went, oh, maybe I've, I just assumed that I've missed something. But yeah, previous items. What does it mean, previous items? Previous like items. items he previously had, but he's got them now. Me- That's why meanwhile, I must have read that because I watched it on UK TV Play. Yeah. Didn't didn't even think, just carried on. So anyway, so, we know, so basically, yeah, Lovejoy, there's an ex-diplomat. Lovejoy has to take out a loan. Um, that's basically it. So, yeah. And it's written by Terry Hodgkinson, as we It heard. is. We haven't had Terry on for ages. I, my heart did like a little, oh, oh it's Terry. That came on. I, I was hoping enjoy, there'd be an, an unsolved mystery like there normally is in a tale. But I, I know. I don't think there was, but actually I wonder if we talk about it, maybe I'll discover that there is. 
But it is quite elaborate with a very funny twist and a lot of the Terry episodes mm. are, because wasn't it Terry that did the one with the, the safe that he's looking at with his lenses in and just, <laughs> you know, that, that was almost like a red herring type plot. There's, I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I still love, though, I went back and looked at all the ones Terry had written and I still like um, Angel Trousers. Yeah, Angel yeah. Trousers was right up it's there, It's still my favourite just because of the whole, his name is Mr. Trousers. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, it's very, very good. So, yeah, as we've said, we open at a hammam. We do, a hammam. I I put dodgy gentleman spa slash hammam, which obviously is more accurate. I love a Turkish bath. I absolutely bloody love it. I've had had one in Turkey and also in London. I mean, they're kind of, you know, obviously in Turkey it was better. It it is the, I love, love, love those places. They, like, scrub you so much. And they have Mm. these, and they have these, like, pillows that they sort of fill with foam. It's f- and they sort of hit you with and them. You and that's what it. the guy, what's his name, Maury, is doing to yeah. Lovejoy. Yeah, except he's, he was being more like a giant what, sponge. It, wasn't I it? was about to say, it looked, looked like a massive mop. It had sort of bits, <laughs> like tassely bits, didn't it? He's been whacked with a massive mop. Oh, so, gosh. So, yeah, You're it's, so right. It's I'd brilliant. love to go to one of these And you spas. get scrubs, because I don't normally like having things done to me. Like, I don't really like <clears> massages. I wouldn't <clears> really like skin treatments and stuff <clears> in general. So I'm not someone that loves these things in general. But, oh, my God, a hammam is amazing. And the thing is, when you have had the hammam, you feel so clean. Mm. And then you're like, how disgusting and filthy am I normally? Because you, <laughs> you feel, like, so clean. Like, you've never felt before. Oh, you'll have to tell me which Turkish bath you went to in London, because I really, I do want to go. But just, I'm sure there's yeah. lots of hammams in, in London. But, I mean, the Tur- in Turkey, it's even better. It's brilliant. And you just lie on this, like, marble slab, but exactly as Lovejoy is doing this. So, yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, so Lovejoy is at this hammam. This is part of a great subplot, because he's been bought uh, a trip to a hammam, so it isn't dodgy, because he's been bought it by Charlotte, who it turns out has put him on a massive health kick, which it sort of becomes a subplot, mm. doesn't it? As well as the how he gets into this plot, which is very weird. I mean, maybe we'll get more into it later, but I, I was a bit, I thought, I felt I was a bit um, blindsided by Charlotte's because yeah, uh, Charlotte's always been healthy, but I don't feel like she's ever really forced it upon anybody else. But she's often bouncing about in tennis gear, and you've seen her running in that, you know, that way that she runs with the the thing around her. The, yeah, the but she sort of does it for herself. It. It's this whole yeah. thing of her suddenly. Well, maybe their relationship. I mean, it, it, it demonstrates that you know. she actually genuinely really, really likes him because my yeah. husband smoked like a chimney when we were friends. Um, mm. And then as soon as we kind of officially got together, I was like, you do realise you have to stop smoking now because mm. you have to stay alive. Um, and he did, which was nice. And it, but it felt like the same thing. Like, I was constantly like, <clears throat> stop smoking, please. But, like, <laughs> is Lovejoy that bad? I don't think he's unhealthy. Like, no, he does run a bit so. like a dad. But also, isn't he? And he's like... He is a dad. Late he 40s, early 50s yeah. at this and he, point. And he doesn't smoke. And he doesn't... I mean, obviously, he drinks, but he's not he like... He drinks, but, I mean, not as much as Ting. It's not, you don't see him getting drunk. I mean, you do occasionally, but so do we And all. also, Charlotte doesn't tell him not it's to not, drink. It's no. Like, it's not like we all... I know we have seen him have the old KFC and whatever, but it's not like he always eats rubbish. Oh, like he has chips. He, he has, has a like lot normal, of fish and chips. He has normal... Yeah, but... Not all the time. He has normal meals. I do like, though, the the quote. So after the... Oh, do we want to say what... We probably ought to say what happens in the Turkish bath, shouldn't we, first? Um, well, well, all I've written down is, this is a bit homoerotic. Rufty tufty scaffolders, question mark. So the thing is, like, so obviously... Rufty um, tufty well, scaffolder. kind of seems like Lovejoy knows the guy that's doing his... Although he does ask his name and everything. Yeah. But also what he does for a living. But he seems like he knows him because they, they have quite a nice chat. And the guy that's the the guy in doing the scrubbing 
I don't know what, I don't know what the term is. A scrubber. Let's call him a scrubber. A scrubber. <laughs> Just to really ramp up the homoeroticism. Yeah. Because <laughs> the scrubber mentions, because Lovejoy mentions he's an antiques dealer and the scrubber says, um, oh yeah, there's um, another guy, there's a guy, another guy that comes in here. He's an ex-Middle Eastern diplomat and he is looking to sell a collection that he's got of Islamic antiques. So obviously Lovejoy's ears prick up at this. Um, I've just realised, I mean, maybe this is something I missed later on. Is Murray, like, in on it? Well, I thought he was, but I, is he? He never really kind comes of joke back, at doesn't. the end, but I don't think he is in on it. No, so he, anyway, so he, yeah, so he knows about this guy. So they, that's, Lovejoy thinks that's great. And the next thing we see is Lovejoy and Tink having a lovely The next looking... thing we see is a toast rack. Did you notice the toast Polly, rack? I, I did. I wrote toast down, rack. lovely toast rack. Lovely breakfast. And you know what my it antique is a of the week? I, I am going to be so torn for antiques of the week this week because there's about five <laughs> items that I want and one of them is just the toast rack just because it'll add to my collection. Oh, it looks lovely, doesn't it, the breakfast? It's such a lovely looking breakfast. Mm. And it actually, can I just say, yes, it's a cooked breakfast, but it doesn't look that unhealthy. They've no, got he's got tin- like beans on toast. Has he got some mushrooms? They've got tin yeah, tomatoes. They've yeah. got like, and it's not piled up with loads of greasy stuff. It's like, no, just like a nice looking breakfast. It's, it's a, it looked like a great breakfast. It looked like a hotel breakfast, but mm. in a good way. And he makes this brilliant quote. Oh, and a manu mug. So the toast rack is sitting next to his manu oh. mug. I felt like the table had been very carefully created, you know, mm. laid out. But then comes spoil sports Charlotte, basically <laughs> trying. And I've, I've actually written, why is Charlotte trying to give Lovejoy an eating disorder? <laughs> yeah, she's like, get that out of your mouth she's literally like why are you eating this rubbish what are you doing to yourself she's very 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 over invested in what lovejoy's putting in his mouth um and so again i'm just like what is their relationship what is their relationship that like they're not together still right at this but point but I, I suppose this is this is kind of like it is an indication that she just she she really really genuinely cares about him even if she is expressing it in a not particularly healthy mentally manner but, it's a um, very weird way of expressing it trying to control also i can't intake. really remember what it was like in the mid 90s because i was too young i was only sort of a, a you know i was in my mid-teens at this point mm. um but there probably were like these big health kicks do you remember special k like when the, it was like why don't you have a bowl of cereal for breakfast and for lunch and have a proper oh, yeah. dinner. Oh, I do remember that. That's Who so had breakfast cereal for two Why meals a day? Why would you do that? <laughs> so, and I feel like that was in the mid nineties. Now, I tell you what yeah. was in the mid nineties. Mister Motivator. He was mid nineties. So in in the eighties, you had Mad Lizzie, didn't oh, you? And the Mad whole all, all of that stuff. And I, my mum used to be just in front of the TV of a morning, watching like TV AM, and just you know jumping up and down, doing star <laughs> jumps in a in a pair of like leg warmers and pink. Spandexy things, but, believe it or not. I can't remember. My mother is now nearly 80. She well, gets and that's hard why. For me to remember she did now. Mad Lizzie. I but know. She's, she's made brilliant. it. <laughs> but Mr. Mr. Motivator, who's probably well into his 60s by now, I believe he's making a comeback. He is. He was yeah. around during lockdown, for sure. Everyone's been nostalgic for the, for the 80s and 90s motivation. now. Yeah. So um, continuing her health kick, Charlotte then wants Lovejoy to go and play tennis with her. Um, but basically, they're like, no, Tinker and Lovejoy have made an appointment to see this ex-Middle Eastern diplomat to have a look at his... They moved quickly. antiques, yeah. Yeah. They're on, they're on, the, they're on the case. Got a hot tip. I do like his quote to Charlotte. Is, Yesterday I had three apples and a banana. Today I'm having some food. <laughs> yeah. 
And I've I've written, is it worth doing all of these things that aren't fun just to live longer? Which is yeah. a philosophical sort of question. I'd rather have loads of re well, obviously look at me. I'd rather have <laughs> loads of really, really lovely breakfasts and uh and get drunk every week. Not every week. Um but yeah. I just life's for living, isn't it? But I also it like is. playing tennis and going swimming, so it's not it's a balance, isn't it? You're not going to sit there chewing lard and never moving. <laughs> well, you say that, mm. Helen. Um, but you're also not going to, like, never eat and just run around all the time and play tennis. So I like, think no, what, once I managed to make that um, connection in my brain between if I don't eat properly, partly because I'm, like, rushing around or I'm working and I just haven't had time for it or whatever, if I don't eat, I get really, really upset and really tearful <laughs> Oh, Honestly, it took me 38 years to realise that. So if you're listening to this podcast now and thinking, oh, that's weird, I do that too. Give it a try. Try yeah. just eating your breakfast. You won't cry as much. If you make some breakfast, <laughs> you might feel better. Your, your blood sugar yeah. would be up. Definitely anyway. Think it would help. Anyway, so they go to see the diplomat whose name we discover is Harold Plum. Mm. Sounds a very diplomat sort of name. Although, do you reckon he's just got it off the... Because uh, it turns out not to be his real name. Yeah, I think. he, he took do you reckon it he's, from... He's, has he just got it from the Cluedo board? But it is the name of a real <laughs> It is the name of a real diplomat. I know it is. Oh, I see. Sorry, Because he says at the end, I, was, I, was, I was making a joke. It sorry. wasn't actually very funny, though. <laughs> sorry, Paul. It was actually very funny, yeah. I noticed in the credits there, it was Plum with a B. It is Plum with a B. Oh, do you guys not watch it with the subtitles on? No, no. I oh, I can't. I have to. I I watch nearly everything with the subtitles on. How can you read them and write everything down at the same time? Yeah, I find I find it much easier to process what's happening if I've got the captions. Oh, I was struggled. I struggled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Mister Plum answers the door. He lives on a very nondescript new build estate. It's his son's. He says it's his son's house, doesn't he? And I he? must so... tell you, like I rent my house, and when we moved into this house about a decade ago. Um, it was furnished, which was really handy for us. Um, but the sofas were super tired. And I remember saying, I bet these sofas have been in here since the house was built. And this house was built in the, that I'm in now, in the, you know, early 90s. Mm. That sofa in Harold Plum, in quote marks, <laughs> house was the sofa that was in here when we Amazing. moved in. Because yeah, yeah, I, I grew to point. hate it. I hated the design. I hated the pattern. Anyway, we've got rid of it and we've got nice sofas from Emmaus now. But, you know, I just it was, was like, oh, my sofa. <laughs> it was a very 90s sofa. Like, I remember many... We didn't have it. I'm sure loads many, of people had that sofa. Many friends and whatever had yeah, that Yeah, I know. Sofa. I knew people who had... We didn't, but I knew people who had that. It was a very that 90s sofa. So, yeah, so he answers the door. He's got the chain on the door and he's all being all very secretive. So you're like, oh, what's mm. going on here? And um, basically, he kind of is playing... So they're sort of talking to him about who he is and whatever. He's kind of playing down his role... As a diplomat, he's like, oh, he basically sort of says that he was more of a consular lackey than a sort of yeah. ambassador. And it turns out he was. Yeah, uh, all, all the best lies are built on a truth, aren't they? Yeah. And this is this is a really good example. He was a good, the character, again, I need to differentiate as we had this conversation in the last episode. Um, the character was a good actor. He Because he, he, <laughs> yeah. he, play, he played up the eccentric kind of diplomat that's gone native to a certain extent mm, with the mm. whole oh I always have sand from just outside Riyadh with me and all of this you yeah know, it's he, he he really played up to all of that um and he was played by Frank Finlay who was cast he was in the he, 70s. Was. <laughs> he was quite a famous face and mm. he's great in this and he he waxes lyrical about the desert 
he misses the desert. He has a bowl of red sands from just outside Riyadh to assuage his longing. I, I, I was totally one over. I thought that was so romantic and lovely. Have any, have, <laughs> any of you been? Because he says to Lovejoy, "Have you been to the Middle East? Oh, you must go." Have you now? You guys, you guys have? Have you? Or where, no, I haven't. Have I've been to Israel and Jordan. And Egypt. This was all on like a, a school trip, so I was only like. I love that your school trip. The most exciting school trip I ever had was to Poland. That's pretty well, exciting. Bloody mining museum. <laughs> 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 every single year from when I was six to when I was sixteen. Let's <laughs> go back down the mine, everybody. But it, what a heck of a school trip, Egypt and yeah, Ooh. yeah. So we did it. We did a cruise. It was like a Mediterranean Lovely. cruise. So yeah, I guess Middle Eastern type places. I didn't. What, what exactly counts in the Middle East? But we went to Egypt, Israel, and Jordan, and it was very beautiful. Um, so yeah, he, so basically, so he's got this bowl. He's got this bowl of sand. He's got another bowl of sand on the coffee table, and T- Tink looks at it and goes, "Ooh." dried figs obviously thinking this is like an exotic <laughs> middle eastern yes. delicacy and how plum says no that's just camel shit yes before the water shed yeah he said shit horrified he used the s word I mean, but was, again is that allowed I, did they bleep it, it now i think now you'd hear it quite a lot maybe i i was surprised it in the 90s but now mm. you would hear the word shit before the water shed it's not that i don't really yeah. yeah i guess i'm just thinking of something like you know, you definitely Street. wouldn't hear it in a soap, would you? Yeah. I suppose that's a bit different. Would you hear it in a drama? Like I think a... I feel like but all dramas drama are on... before the watershed. I feel you? like all the dramas are on at nine now. Yeah. yeah, like what's on before nine? The soaps where they don't think they would say shit. Anyway, it just genuinely surprised. did shock me. It was, yeah, like, I was like, oh, five exclamation what, points. That's probably like the worst language we've had in Lovejoy, isn't it? That is the worst language. Terry. I think we've had the word shit before. Have I'm we? sure we've had the word shit in Lovejoy before. I wonder if it was in the Terry episode. We have, we have. Just a bit sure Are you just have. a bit sweary, Terry? Is that what's going on yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. And then what I love about the next bit, I just love that like a big part of the plot turns on basically the Foreign and Commonwealth Office's HR policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> around, you know, gift giving. The bit that, you know, they always send it around at work and you don't really read it. You don't, no one really knows what that is. And there's like a million policies and they've got this policy about, you know, gift giving, hospitality we have that. You policies. Guys must have that. Yeah. But I mean, I just love that like this is like a massive plot point is basically like some boring bit of policy of the of the FCO. That's brilliant. So yeah, so it's a very you, British plot. Isn't yeah. It? If you're given a gift as a as a diplomat, if it's under a hundred pounds value, you can keep it. But if it's over a hundred pounds, you give it all to the um foreign office and then they put it into an auction and if you really like it you can bid for it but it's to stop sort of bribery and corruption yeah yeah which is things like that understandable i, I quite like I've immediately written this seems like a scam <laughs> and i don't mean the hr policy i mean the fact that he says well i've had lots of gifts but some of them i just haven't quite managed to give to head office so now I'm just going to sell them because I'm mysteriously moving overseas because I can't stay here. Well, no, I was, was going to say like, it does ring the alarm bells see, immediately. Whereas Red I just, flag. whereas I actually was, I actually thought it was very plausible because obviously there must have been plenty of diplomats that would break that rule because mm. how would they? It would be very yeah. easy to break yeah, it and never get true. found out. And also, you wouldn't necessarily be able to prove it. Let's say, like twenty years later, you decide to sell them. Is anyone going to be able to prove? Oh, you got given that as a gift. Because you say, oh no, I just bought it down the souk. Well, love joined Tinker totally. Like they seem. I mean, mean, again, I guess because it's the idea of building a a lie on a truth. Because Mm. again, he sort of said, look, I did this thing I wasn't meant to do. So he's he's kind of openly telling them that he's 
a bit of a cad. Yeah. So therefore, why would they think, oh, I bet this is a cover for him being an absolute cad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he he has yeah kept some stuff that he shouldn't have kept that was gifts that's more valuable, basically worth more than hundred pounds. And um, he sp- tells spins them this whole story, which turns out not to be true, but I, I was convinced. Mm. But basically, he's living in his son's house at the minute, but he's got to move out soon. So he's go- and he's going to live with his other son in San Francisco. And so he has a- can't take all this stuff with him. So he wants to get rid of it. And just saying, like, he's like, I will sell it to you, but just to give you the caveat that, like, it does actually belong to the foreign office. So it's, it's ever so slightly dodgy. There's a bit of a risk, but, you know, if you're willing to take the risk, you can have it kind of thing. And there's a nice... <laughs> As I've written, a nice vase. It's like literally worth a hundred thousand pounds or something. So that's quite a nice vase. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some amazing stuff. Although it reminded me again, going all the way back to a very early episode of like Abraham Saucepan and yeah. all of those items <laughs> I saw in that museum. In fact, doesn't he mention that museum in Istanbul? Maybe. I can't remember how you pronounce it. The Top Top Kapai Palace. He or... does. Oh no, well, he, he does. does later on. Yeah, yeah. He does later on in this very episode. And I was like, yeah, I've been there. Abraham yeah. Saucepan. That's well, Saucepan. I mean, Abraham had Moses to use something board, to you know. boil his eggs in. Mm. Exactly. So yeah, so they basically Harold starts pulling out the various artifacts. There's like an incense burner and like a bowl and Tinker Lovejoy are like very unimpressed. It's all tat. Yeah. Some armour? Or is that afterwards? Oh, yeah. That's after. That's when you hear the divvy music to Ooh. indicate the line between tat and valuable. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got tat, then you've got tinkle, 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 valuable. Mm. There's basically three items out there. There's a very lovely vase. There's an Ottoman helmet. And there's a horse's chamfer? Chamfer? It goes it's like the thing you put nose. over a horse's face so that if it gets shot the arrow bounces off it isn't it yeah yeah got the idea so these and they're like 16th century Horse and they're very armor. valuable so yeah so they're and they are very beautiful things and yes they div, are divvy music galore <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they go to the pub well so you missed a bit? crucial bit yeah. i mean i probably have missed a crucial bit because all i've written literally for that scene is uh, shit before the watershed, a nice vase, this seems like a scam. <laughs> That's all so, I've written. <laughs> what, what, he, what he then says is, because they say, well, we like these bits, and he says, I'll sell them to you, but uh, for $100,000, and dollars um, being important. He, and he's saying and, he wants dollars because he obviously is moving to San Francisco. And yeah. like, obviously they're like, they're like, they know this stuff is, um, is worth a lot anyway. Um, so they're like, oh, God, you know, but then also we haven't got $100,000. They're like, we need... To- a bit of time yeah and he's trying to he's trying to like put pressure on them which then does seem a bit scam like he puts pressure on them it by does saying, really I, really that's probably off. the bit that said that waved the red flags at me yeah potentially red flags that are only there because i've watched a lot of love joy 71 episodes of love joy <laughs> so that might be why but you see if they'd paid attention to their own lives these yes. fictional characters they too would have been suspicious yeah Good point so yeah so he's like saying he's got another offer on the table from paris and so he's trying to hurry them along so so yeah, there we go. And then yes, then we then we go to the pub. And then we yeah. go to the pub. We go up to the pub and Lovejoy is totally into this whole idea and Tinker's a bit more circumspect about it, I think. He's a bit more like everything in its own time, you know. 
Not really and all sure. I've written, all I've written is when did crisp packets change their design again? Because we've had you could <laughs> yes, you could do the, the whole of Lovejoy. We had the early one where you could see the crisps through the bag, and mm. now they've got the one that's a bit like the new one, but the word Walkers is still written in slightly different font. And it's and like wrote, white oh, is the main colour. Yes, kind of exactly. Yes. So I was very intrigued about that, and then therefore paid no attention to the scene. I did get anyway. distracted by the crisp packet as well. Well, and then Charlotte comes in and yoinks the crisps away, and is like, "Absolutely not! You can't have any crisps." <laughs> And Lovejoy says, I wasn't going to swallow. Ah, the idea of just spitting crisps into a bowl. Oh, like you do with wine tasting. Crisp I mean, tasting. I think it's a great I think it's a great pub snack for having a pork pie and some crisps, Tinker and Lovejoy. What, the pork pie what? did look lovely actually. I haven't had a pork pie for a very long time. So yeah, she's again on the case with the health kick. Um, but again, doesn't really succeed. He's eating his crisps. And then so Tinker and Lovejoy decide to um basically get try and get this stuff authenticated a bit to find out because obviously if they're going to mm. spend 100 grand on it they need to be very certain that it yeah, really absolutely. is the stuff they, they've had the divvy feeling but this is like serious money so they tinker and lovejoy borrow gimbert's car <laughs> but, like, yeah borrowed he- in heavily inverted commas he- helen is doing quotations in the air with her fingers it's like the audio <laughs> description yes. aspect of the uh for all the people who can't see the podcast helen is nodding in agreement helen is nodding in agreement now yeah they basically steal charlie's lovely range rover to go to this meeting he doesn't need it he's in the cayman islands he's fine oh and they're in london oh london yeah um, and they've all gone there, haven't they? So Tink's in the car, he's sort of acting as collateral while Lovejoy goes in, and Harold Plummer's with them too. Oh, yes. Yeah, because they're taking the, the stuff. Car with Tink. I guess because he wants to stay with his things, obviously. Makes sense. Yes. So they're taking, so obviously Lovejoy knows an expert in Islamic art and antiques because he knows everyone. Of course he does, it's his job. So his friend Walid, who mm-hmm. used to work at the Louvre, um, yeah. so basically he takes the stuff, and yeah, they, so he take, Lovejoy takes the stuff into Walid. And leaves Tink in the car, as you say, as collateral blessing. <laughs> um, anyway, so Tink, Tinker's still paying back for setting him up in the last episode. I think, yeah, a little um, bit because I was like, if I was Tink, I don't think that I would. Um, I don't know. I get the feeling that Tink slightly got the measure of Harold Plum, but he wants I to sort of does. be won over by Lovejoy's enthusiasm. Yeah. Mm. And this is when you get that really creepy threat with the knife. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, it's interesting because. I had the same thought. So, like, they're sat in... Tink and um, Harold are sat in the car. And I was like, this is a bit of a rubbish sort of piece of... Clap. Like, Tink could just get out of the car and run away. Yeah. And then that's it. And, and as I was thinking that, Tink made the same point. So me and Tink are just, mm. you know, on the same wavelength. Meant like, for each other. We've said that again <laughs> said and that again. again and again. Well, that's why we paired you up with him right at the beginning. <laughs> that's right. So he's like, I could just run off. And then, yeah, Harold pulls out this really scary looking knife and is like yeah it's really shiny and curved and sharp did anyone write down the comment yeah what yeah. the one about a really creepy comment what did he say i didn't write it down so he says yeah he's he's got the branches the knife and says you wouldn't even know what had happened to you till you had a drink of water oh that is horrible. dark isn't it it's horrible so yeah so tinker's not very safe but waleed likes the stuff he loves the stuff and he, he wants to pay, what is it, 140 140 sterling. grand. So he offers him £140,000, which is way more, mm. like probably double. Well, we learn, so basically, because Lovejoy says later on it would be £80,000 profit. So yeah. that leads me oh, to think that $100,000 $100, is £60,000. Mm. Yeah. So it's right. more than, yeah, so time. more than double, yeah. <laughs> well, then I looked at my notes. 
I've written, but Lovejoy doesn't bite because he knows it's worth more. He has some crackpot scheme, which Tink and Charlotte are not into, so he decides to borrow the money. So ba- basically he says, I can make more, but I need to somehow raise the... He can make more, but I feel that Lovejoy here is doing something that's a little... I don't know if it's out of character, but he's purely in it. It's almost like greed takes over. He's mm. he's he's been offered, as they keep saying to him, so really the rest of the, the plot is them saying to him, look, for goodness sake, you've never even seen you know, 80 grand, take the 80, yeah. you're insane, take the 80 grand. It's 80 grand. What? Look at all the things. And, and actually, in the 90s, so much, it's more than, a lot more than it would be yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And he, it seems uncharacteristic of Lovejoy, particularly given what he does then put up as collateral, which which we're going to come to in mm-hmm. a second. But it, I, I, I don't know that I totally, I did, he likes a, uh, you know, he does. He likes a profit, of course, but it just seemed on the borderline between being greedy and reckless. Yeah, and I think often in Lovejoy, he's got a specific thing that he's trying to earn the money mm. for, like mm. I don't know, buying off somebody's antique mansion or something. I don't know. He's, yeah, he's normally trying to raise it for kind of a good cause, a philanthropic or to pay back. Uh, yeah. Whereas this is this is just pure profit. It is him yeah. actually doing his actual job, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but it's very and, and seems gamble as well. And he, he doesn't strike me as somebody who's really a gambler. Tinker does mm. in the you know I bet Tinker's lost a few quid on the horses mm. every now and again. But this seems a bit silly. Exactly because there's anyway. a reason it's a gamble that like you say because obviously if it was purely that he had these things that are worth loads of money and he knows they're worth loads of money, then it makes sense to wait until you can sell them for the amount of money they're worth. So let's say they're worth 300 grand, fine. So 140 is not going to cut it. Why would you sell them for that? But the risk here is because they are dodgy, like they're not, they are stolen effectively from the foreign office. There's always the risk that that's going to get found out at some point Mm. and then he's going to lose the opportunity. So that's even more reason why it makes sense just to grab the offer from Waleed. Very, very bizarre. It It is weird why he is so fixated on it yeah and he asks tink and charlotte to both put in 20 grand he's like i'll put in 20 grand you guys put in 20 grand then we've got it and they're both like 20 grand she says in that (laughs) incredulous voice 20 grand because that's what we all just have lying around and she says and he goes oh you just got a vat rebate and she says yes it was 65 pounds (laughs) exactly I mean, yeah, so basically Tink and, like you say, Tink and Charlotte are like, this is a ridiculous idea. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Where's Beth, by the way? Yeah, no Beth in this episode That makes me all. sad. It may, does make me sad. I don't know. Was she in something else at this time? She might have been. She she sort of popped up in various things before she appeared in EastEnders, yeah. didn't she? So maybe she was in something else. Yeah. It's because um, she could have been a good, like... Yeah, so she'd have been good in reason, Oh, maybe that's why reason. she's not in it, because she just would have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I think she would have talked him out of it. So you decide... Maybe she's on holiday. She must get annual leave. Yeah. She might be doing a college course, doing yeah, assessments. Well, oh, it might be the very holidays. Probably not term time. Mm. That's it. She's on her holidays. So, yes, I love to decide that the only way he's going to get this 100 grand together is to, um, cause is to borrow the money. So he goes mm. to the bank, goes to NatWest. He puts on a very smart outfit to prove that he's worth lending money to. <laughs> he looked very he looked very dapper, but NatWest won't give him the money. Yeah, I mean, of course not. Like, <laughs> I'm going to buy these dodgy antiques, give me 60 grand. No. I wonder what he told NatWest. Do you think he told NatWest that? Yeah. 
The thing is, the thing is, the thing is, there's this there's this horse bit of horse armor that actually belongs to the Foreign Office, but I'm going to buy it. I mean, just I'm just imagining the incredulity on the face <laughs> yes. of the NatWest. Well, they must hear all the sorts. The rural NatWest bank manager. They must hear all sorts right there in the bank of like <clears throat> reasons why guess, people yeah. want money. Harebrained schemes, yeah. yeah. Particularly in the 90s when entrepreneurship was, you know, encouraged. Mm. So then, so then he goes to Vicky's. So we we go to we see Lovejoy's well, daughter. He goes around a few places trying to drum it up, but everybody just gives him the short shrift. Like he, I, I, one of them gives him an apple. Have I made this up? This did happen. He goes around to like other people he knows in his smart suit, and they're all like, "Nah, no, but have an apple." Mm. Um, and he eventually goes to Vicky, whose name at this point is spelt V I K K I, I believe. Which yes, I in the subtitles cool the it was spelt V I K I. I thought, well, that's Vi- not right. Vikey. 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 That's not right, is it? No, that's not right. Played played by Amelia Curtis in this particular series. Yeah. We find out she's now an air hostess. That's yeah. right. Not Amelia Curtis, Vicky. Yeah, yeah. his daughter, Vicky, is an air hostess. Amelia yeah. Curtis is an Amelia actor. Curtis isn't an in air hostess. She's not, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know what she is. She's still an actor. She probably is. But, yes, oh, was... that flat. Can we just have a second? I know. Flat. I that wrote... flat was so... Fucking Vicky's nice. implausibly p- posh flat, but of course it isn't hers. It is Lovejoy's. But the ch- I wonder what all her air hostess mates think of her when they go back to their kind of flats in mm. Hounslow when they're between jobs or whatever, and she goes back to her house in Belgravia or oh. Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, I think it Chelsea, is. Isn't it Chelsea? Chelsea, Chelsea, she's Chelsea. meant to be living. I think it is. Yeah. That rings a bell. And basically, Lovejoy is, you know, says that he's going to be rich soon and promises her riches. But I mean, I'm sure she's heard all this before, so she's. And it- and, and she says, "Of course, I trust you. You're my dad." Which I'm like, "Does that follow? Is that a thing that follows?" I'm not it sure. It really doesn't. But <laughs> I do like the way that Terry had that echoing. You know, mm. he gets into the car and she waves from the window, and it's in his in the back of his mind because you think he's he's very close to going. Oh, I can't do this. This was ridiculous. And of course, I trust you. You're my dad, aren't you? And he, and then he says, "No, you know, what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it anyway." And I re- it really it, did it, it shock did... me. I thought that he was still going to find somewhere else to borrow the money from. I gen, yeah. I did not think that he was really going to put somebody's house, basically where they live, their home, up as collateral for something no, that he absolutely. wanted. But at the end of the, the day, just wouldn't would you? But at the end of the day, it is his house that he owns and he has got an asset yeah. that presumably is worth you know mm, yeah the 60 so, like basically he has that asset to draw on for these kind of, i'm not saying that it's a sensible decision but it's yeah, not yeah. it's not like evil either it's actually you know because he has got an offer already for these antiques he yeah well, just thinks, yeah he thinks he's onto so, a safe bet doesn't he really yeah, exactly for him it makes total sense um because yes okay they're a bit dodgy but walid has offered him 140 like Someone mm. else will offer him a bit more yeah. in his mind. So I mean, it yeah, I guess kind of it kind of makes sense. But yes, I mean it is quite shocking. It seems shocking at the time, but it's you know it's his asset to do to do with as he will. Yes, this is true. And then he's just, just a bit of a dick to do with it. As and he I suppose will. the anyway, thing is, Lovejoy anyway. knows he always gets himself out of scrapes, whatever happens. So he's also got that kind of like experience yeah, and confidence. Yeah, no, that is true. Do you remember the episode where he made all that money in in a day? Yeah, exactly. You know, so we he, know that he, he can do right. it. But I thought, so. see, I thought then. I mean, I don't know much about this, so I might just be misunderstanding financial products and stuff. I mean, you know. Like, I don't really understand how Give us your work. house. Well, yeah. th- there's no point asking me. I don't have a bloody clue. I assumed then that he was going to, like, remortgage the house, the flat, or, like, do it against the flat, like, properly. 
I mean, that because, would make sense, wouldn't it? But no, he just takes the deeds sense. and gives them to a loan shark. Instead, so... yeah. Instead. Exactly. <laughs> that's in what, his that's, what shocked, that's where I was shocked. It's like, that is a, a risk that you'll just lose mm. this thing completely. Um, so yeah, he, well, can I just say, before we go on to the loan shark, Vicky mm. is, dries her hair for a very long time. And she's got all <laughs> her makeup on. So she does. I, I why mean, she got her makeup on when she just got out of the shower? She, she's like drying her hair with a towel. She's drying her hair with a towel when he gets there. She's drying her hair with a towel for the whole time. She's got a lot of hair, to be fair. And then as she's saying he's leaving, she's on the balcony, like waving goodbye, drying her hair with a towel. Drying her hair. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, I will say, like, if I, not now, because obviously I've got sick of it and chopped it off with the kitchen scissors, but when my hair was longer, if I washed it in the morning and I didn't dry it with the hairdryer, it would still be wet at like four o'clock at night. It was really annoying. So maybe she's just got really, really thick, lustrous hair. Yeah, she had a lot of... I mean, I have really thin crap hair. I mean, it would take me about a fifth of that time to dry my hair. Lucky. But, uh, anyway, anyway. Lucky, because you can just put a product in to thicken it up. You see, anyway, that's a complete tangent. So, so yeah, so he both goes to... Yeah, so Lovejoy goes to a loan shark, basically, who's going to charge him exorbitant interest, yeah. 10% month on month. I quite like this flat as well, not, I'm not going to lie. 10%. Oh, we had a lovely flat. <laughs> a penthouse overlooking the Thames. I mean, yeah. oh. I mean, 10% a month, what's that APR? I mean, that must be like a thousand percent. I can't do the math. It's a it's lot. Like, it's a lot. Anyway. It's quite a lot. It's not 10% like we would take a loan, and even mm. that would be high. It's like 10% a month, so it's like, anyway, Ooh, it's a don't. lot. It's scary. Um, so, but obviously Lovejoy is confident, so it's fine. And then I think... Ladies, mm. this is the point where I started to nod off. I think it is because then you see, and I've actually written Chekhov's Fabergé egg. Yes, because here, so John the Lone Shark, who is wearing a very snazzy, very, very snazzy shirt that I adored, um, he takes the deeds and he puts them in his safe. And Next in the egg. safe, we see an Fab- egg. Fabergé egg. An egg of Fabergé. Yeah, what, what, what did Fabergé. we say about it? Of Fabergé fame. Can't remember. Because the next thing I think happened is that the Scotland Yard Art and Antiques squad show up. Uh, well, you've missed something very you've fun missed here. A, yeah, you've missed a couple of really good fun bits here. Oh, okay. The first thing that happens is Lovejoy, because I wrote at this point, sigh, why does Lovejoy <laughs> tell the loan shark what it's for? Yeah. Because you know that's going to be intrinsic to the plot. And then are you going to talk about the painting? And did you do the same bit of research on this that I did? Oh, no, but are you talking about the scream? I, I yeah. knew that it had been nicked and gone missing in, in the nineties. But you do your research because I, I was going to come on to the next scene, so go oh, on. Oh, no. So I did. So he's got a painting. There's a lovely little reference, this loan shark. He's got a painting of the scream on the wall that he doesn't like. Doesn't even know it's called the scream. So this Norwegian thing gives me the scream as he says he doesn't mm. like it. It was stolen. It was stolen in 1994. <gasps> so this is a proper oh, contemporary reference, and it's very good. This, bit this, of writing. this is a little bit of joy, and I adore Terry Hodgkinson. Yeah, I'm going to give him a whole good. extra point, I think, just for putting that in. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> I did, but that I was did my see the research scream, of the week. Forgotten that it was nicked, so I guess it just went over. Well, my head and Lovejoy says they recovered. Lovejoy says they recovered it, and uh, John says, "Well, they recovered, you know, a version of it. A version of it. <laughs> so yeah. Suggesting that he it has was a gorgeous. Slight tangent here. Go on. Do you know this? Like just us. this just reminded me. Do you know that Paul McCartney's Hofner bass? He had two of them. Um, mm. that are originals that he used in the sixties, and he had two because you know you need to like you might be rehearsing with one, take the other one, to, whatever. One's mm. in your house, one's in the studio. One of them is missing. It went missing mm. at some point, and nobody knows where it is. And Paul McCartney likes to think that there's some, like, 
dodgy businessman or rich wheeler dealer somewhere hidden in a castle or in a penthouse who, when he has dinner guests over, will go, come upstairs and see what I've got. It's Paul McCartney's original bass. But he can't tell anybody he's got it because it's no. nicked. Exactly like this the original is... Scream. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that was a, a very big tangent, but okay. <laughs> I, I just thought, I do love the idea of things being stolen to order and then they're, heavily inverted commas, recovered. But how do you know it really was the original that was recovered? The art world's a scam anyway. It is, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. So, mm. um, no, the bit that I was going to say is Lovejoy needs to just slightly tailor the documentation he's got from Harold Plum so that he can sell the stuff to a lead and it'll be oh, a bit yes. more kosher. Um, so he goes to see Popov. Oh, you're um, going to say who Popov is? Yeah. Oh, do you know who? Did you spot who he is? It's I the reckon... second week that we've had somebody from the same sitcom. I recognise <laughs> him, but I wasn't it's sure. Not, who it he's was. not from a lower low, is he? No, he's not. He's from. <laughs> he's from the Vicar of Dibley. Oh, it's, of course. It's, I it's the chap. That. It's the chap from the Vicar of Dibley that Frank. did. Oh, you know, Frank. Who yeah. Did de- Desert Island Desks, where I talk about the five <laughs> desks I'd most like to sit at. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's, I recognised him. But yeah, I didn't recognise him. I couldn't put my finger on him. I was, I was so happy. I was so Aww. happy. Second week in a row, because of course last week we had David Horton. Yes. yes. There you go. I um The thing that I was taken by in this scene was that he was using a laser printer to print out some map or something, and then he was like, "And now I dab it with the tea bag." <laughs> and then, yes, yes. And, and then oh. he said something else. Oh, Lovejoy said, "Oh, you might need to." do something else to it it's obviously fresh out of the printer and he says well you can go over it a few times with a flat iron put it in a frame yeah. sell it for 400 quid and Lovejoy was like don't get taken in by this new technology you're an artist <laughs> you're a craftsman I don't want you to just be printing things out on your laser printer but I, I really liked it that's brilliant I mean we all know that's how you fake stuff just put it yeah, absolutely yeah, so we all learn it at, at junior school and it's always <laughs> the kid that has the best tea bag that um, gets the high mark not the kid that writes not that I wasn't creative and artistic at all anyway did, did um, you go the, back and say look if this was original at the time it wouldn't look old it would wouldn't it? look like this would it exactly well this is exactly <laughs> what I said way back when we discussed this in, in series one. Oh no, we did. We have um, talked about this before. Sorry, I just remembered. We, we have. We have um, yeah. well, no, we have. This is why it was so interesting. I thought, oh, they're at it again. Ten years later, they're still doing it the same way. But John yes. Bluthel is the name of the actor oh, he's who brilliant. plays um, Popov. John John Bluthel is the John name Bluthel. of the actor. Good for him. Yeah. Um, but now the Arts and Antiques squad kind of catch yes. up with Lovejoy because they, they go back to the ranch, as it were, and Tinker's there. Well, because the, because the loan shark has set the police on him because Lovejoy told them what he was doing because he's an idiot. I really missed that. that bit. I'm such a dumbass. So that he could, so that he could, um, so Keep he knew he wasn't going to get his money back. Oh, how Sorry. did I miss that? Sorry, I just still don't understand. Why, why would the loan shark put the police onto Lovejoy? So that Lovejoy can't make the deal he was going to make. And then he can't, then he can't, um, make good on his loan. So the, the loan gets shark to gets the to keep the deeds and keep oh, the flat. Oh, okay, sorry, a bit slow there. I can't that believe I, I was so taken by out. that tea bag that I didn't really... Because that's why I said, why Why did Lovejoy tell him? He gives him enough mm. information because he does say to him, look, you know, there's a bit... I mean, he doesn't give him the full story, but he, he sort of said, look, it's a bit dodgy, you know, they, they technically belong to somebody else or technically belong to the foreign office. I can't remember mm. what how much detail, but he tells him enough. And, yeah, he's the one that then tips well, off the police. When the police turn up, they do seem to know. They sort of say, like, yeah. we know, we know I, that I these was, belong I to the foreign office. I was completely flummoxed by this bit. Now mm. I understand. Yeah, I was confused yeah. how they knew. 
But yeah, that makes yeah, total sense. Fair. Yeah, of course. Well done, Paul. You, you understand what's going on. <laughs> I've written the art and antique squad are on him, but they do eat the shit. Mm. <laughs> and they do. They do, literally. They turn up and only uh, Tink is at home. And I love the coolness that Tink sits there while he chews into the thing. Surely you'd just spit it out, wouldn't you? Maybe it was all lovely dried figs. Who keeps dried figs in a bowl of sand? Oh, uh, have I missed some delicacy here that this is... Why <laughs> is it? Because I wouldn't... I wouldn't the, the thing is also, I wouldn't look at that and go, oh, that must be a dried fig. I'd look and go, why is there shit in a bowl? Yeah. It didn't look like dried figs. I mean, I don't know what dried... I'm not sure I know... Well, I guess I know what dates look like. But to, to me, I wouldn't go, oh, that's obviously some dried figs in some sand in the middle of a, an antique showroom. I would go... I don't know what that is. And yeah. then ignore it. I wouldn't eat it. Wouldn't eat even, it. I might even think it was something older. It was like a prop. You know how in um, Ikea that they put fake mm. fruit in a bowl with all, when they're laying out all the different living rooms and that that you can go and look at? I would. I think I would assume that it was ornamental. Why yeah. would you go oh, like in this or something? Very exactly. bizarre. Poopery. Very bizarre. <laughs> Sorry. Poopery. <laughs> Poopery. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so basically, um, no on to him, the police, but obviously Lovejoy still doesn't Well, does Lovejoy actually hold on, does Lovejoy have the stuff now? I think Lovejoy goes and buys the stuff now, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, so, so he's got of it bits in his ago possession. I've written, um John the Lone Shark, nice shirt. He has the stuff. Pop off yeah. in the tea bag. So he does have the stuff. He has the stuff. So because yeah. his idea is he quickly sells it on uh, he's at, his jobs are good and you know it's all fine he knows he can get more for it but after that is scuppered by the the visit from the art and antique squad so he says oh god do you know what i'm just going to sell it to Walid. which is what he should have done just... in the bloody first place which is what he shouldn't everybody told him but but you know greed greed would greed. he listen no it's literally no. Walid, because we should explain as well like obviously why he wouldn't have had because obviously you might think well if he sold it to Walid, he'd have the same problem of needing the hundred grand what i think we didn't mention is that Walid is literally like yeah, because he takes them into Waleed and Waleed's literally like, yeah. I could, I've 140 Well, he could have just bought them there I'll, and I'll then. Get, I'll get my brother to bring it round now. So he could have been a much just, less interesting episode. He could have though, literally just taken the 140 egg. grand cash, taken it downstairs, yeah. given 60 to um, to Harold, and then it would have been done. Yeah, it would have been a very short just to episode. Explain, yeah, because otherwise people might be thinking, well, yeah. it's still the same problem. But anyway, so um, so he goes to see Waleed to say, look, do you still want this stuff? But Waleed... <laughs> Gone, gone to Beirut for six months because apparently that's what he does. Was Beirut a good place to go to in the mid nineties? Had it all I mean, stopped by say, then? Was it? I don't think it was. I, a great I'm guessing place he to was go. Lebanese. I'm guessing he, he probably was Lebanese. It just seemed like I wonder if that was a funnier reference in the nineties because now Beirut's meant to be quite trendy, isn't it? And I've always I've always wanted to go or recently wanted to go because I mm. people have said it's brilliant cafes and all of that sort of thing. I wonder if this was meant to be funny in the nineties. Maybe. So. As Lodger is leaving Waleed's place, the police turn up there as well. Oh, yes. So they're onto mm. Waleed as well. So he's like, oh, yeah. right, this is the shit is hitting This is, fan. yeah. Whoops. And then, and then sorry. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte on a trumpet. Oh, bouncing yes. Bouncing about. I had one of those in the 90s. It, my made, dad, it, it did make me think, I'd quite like to buy a trumpet. My dad, got, my dad had one. And he says, stop doing that. You're making me very nervous. And she's bouncing up and down on this. Yeah, because she's also on a health kick. I just wrote, Charlotte is bouncing. <laughs> if you don't know what a trumpet is, listener, it's like a really, really small single person trampoline. 
it's a very kind of very tight trampoline so it's not like the ones that you that you go on in your you know that you do trampolining as a sport where you're jumping up and down and back flipping and all that so yeah so charlotte's like look the best thing to do here is just to come clean like mm. just to say yeah. you've got this stuff you know that it really belongs to the front office and see if they can you sort of give it to them and they can sort of help you in some way i mean she's She's very optimistic. She's like, well, maybe they can just auction it like they would have done anyway and give you your 100 grand back. Yeah, it's almost a little bit naive, isn't it? Which I think like, it's going to say, well, this belongs to us. Just give it to us. Yeah, plus yeah. five percent. She reckons like, not only will he get his 100 grand back, he'll get another 5% on top. Or does she think this because she knows that she knows somebody? In it the might SEO. be that because obviously it well, transpires that, you know. I do love this is all, they, this is a bit of. Misogyny of the week. Um, not on the part of the writer, on the part of no, the character, as in deliberately on the part of the. Because Tinker says, "Oh, I bet Charlotte knows someone who's married to someone who works mm. in the Foreign Office," and Charlotte says, "Only married to." I think I can do a bit better than that. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Which is brilliant, wasn't it? Which I was felt like brilliant. Because when Tink said I that, because when Tink said that, I was like, "Oh, bloody hell, Tink!" But then I realised it was just yeah. a setup for her very yeah. good line, so it's fine. Absolutely. So yeah, obviously. Charlotte's got an old school chum who's quite high up in the foreign office, Rachel. Yes, of course. And who's got a brilliant little, again, it's sort of like a gender reversal type mm. thing about her, her assistant, her little young sort of grad, fresh out of uni, Piers. Yeah. Piers, yes. Who, who is probably, her. I think he's probably on the graduate scheme, don't yeah. you? Yeah, he's on the little, fast stream. Little Piers, bless his cotton socks. And he's really sweet because then he's like, oh, where, are you, where have you guys come from? He's so, oh, ever so enthusiastic. Where are you from? And then, oh, yes, we come from Suffolk. Oh, yes. I went to an all-night rave there recently. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually so believable. Which, again, is such really a 90s was. thing to go to, it like, is. a rave in a field in Suffolk. Yeah. Oh, but the, I love the idea of this chap who's clearly on the civil service fast fast track, you know, fast stream, going for all-night raves of a weekend. You get the oh, thing, Pier, Piers has a whole other side yeah. at the weekend, bless him. I would, lo- I would love to work for the civil service. I just, I would love it. That's that's the dream, isn't oh, it? It's very competitive, can I say? It's literally it's like... It's a problem I'm not cut out for really it, if I'm honest. Competitive. <laughs> and most people apply more than once, actually. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so they're in the in this very grand... This is my favourite bit. I thought it might be, Helen. I've got a little bit of a factoid for you now. But you need the factoid, yeah. So, um, so, so Charlotte, they're there. So Charlotte and Lovejoy, they're waiting for Rachel to turn up. And she's like, come on, like we should just... We're here now. We should just. She's still trying to persuade him, even though like yes. she's persuaded him enough to get him there. Mm. So just, just we should just level with them. We should just tell them they can auction it. It's all fine. And then somehow or other, like they go, they poke into the room next door. And Lovejoy says something like, "Oh yes, the old Locarno ballroom." And I thought it was in Streatham. Oh, that was. I do remember the Streatham line now. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I Which do. I found this absolutely fascinating because. Helen won't know, but she's been in the Locarno ballroom, I'm assuming, several times. <laughs> um, but the Locarno in Streatham, well, it was called the Locarno when it opened in the 30s. But by the 90s, it had been called so many different things. And by the 90s, it was Caesars. Maybe not at this point, but certainly by the late 90s, it was Caesars. Do you remember when it was Caesars, Helen, and it had yeah. the big um, chariot on the Yeah. Thing? I was lucky enough to actually go to Caesars when it was still a nightclub. And actually go clubbing just because I was like, I know it's going to shut. I want to go and see it. It was kind of sad because those sort of big warehousey clubs, they were just 
kind of on their way out when I went. So that must have been like 2005, 2006. Um, and certainly the older people in Streatham actually will still call it the Locarno, even though it had been called like the Cat's Whiskers and the Ritzy and oh, yeah, God yeah. knows what else it had been called, loads of different things. Um, but it's now, and this is the reason why I can't afford to live in Streatham anymore, despite, you know, my heart being in Streatham, uh, it's now Marks and Spencer's food hall. Yeah. Ah, Although it's like um, a a decorator's merchant and a Starbucks. Oh, and a super drug. And a super drug. So, I mean, yeah. In there as well. Yeah, it's been, um, it's it's a victim of um, gentrification. I wouldn't have minded if they'd opened a little. But no, it's a Marks and Spencer's food hall. Although I did buy my Colin the Caterpillar in there on Saturday. So oh, I can't there you really, go. Uh, yeah. So we should. So I mean, I don't think we mentioned before, but yes, Emma and I live in this area of South London, more or less. And we, you know, we're not going to give you our address or anything. But so yeah, it's very exciting. So I was like, oh, there's a Locarno ballroom in Streatham, and I thought, oh, I've been looking for a birthday venue. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately, no. But yeah, um, I will say it's MS. also reputed to be haunted by Ruth Alice, the last woman to be hanged in England. Ooh. Oh, was yeah. she from Stratton? She worked. She worked in Locarno. <gasps> no. Yeah. This is so mm. cool. I love a bit of history, local history. The the history mm. of the Locarno is is genuinely really really cool. And I think um, whatever episode it was when he was in Soho and there was the guy who ran a like a strip club. I don't think did Caesars have strippers? Where was um, Chico time? Maybe he was stripping it. I can't remember. Um, I thought you said, "Did Jesus have strippers?" And I was about to come in with, "No, I don't. I don't think so." That's definitely one of the massive tangents about Caesars. I'll cut something in here, perhaps, or I'll just put a link in the show notes. I mean, the bloopers are going to just the bloopers have just got bigger, so that's fine. But um, I, I mean, I guess that it must have been quite famous, the Locarno in Stratton, for him to even make this comment in the in the middle of Lovejoy because it's not related to anything else that they're talking about. But anyway, yes. And it, it, it did make me laugh exciting. out loud as well. I, I loved it. It was so exciting. I mean, how often does Streatham get a mention on anything? So anyway, so then Rachel turns up. And so Charlotte explains her, her plan, her cunning plan to Rachel. It's like, yeah, we just give you the stuff. You auction it, but you just give us money back, right? Because it's like our money and we just made a mistake, right? And... Um, Rachel says, like, well, I've got good news Doesn't and really bad work news. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good news is this stuff doesn't belong to us because it wasn't given as a gift to a yeah. diplomat. It never belonged to us. The bad news is it was looted during the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. Yeah. And yeah. Um, basically. And how Plum isn't real. Harold, oh, no, yeah. he is real, but he's dead. He is real, but he's dead. Yeah. And the, the person they think is Harold Plum is actually called Yusuf Kasim. And he was like a tea boy in the embassy. And basically, he he got hold of the stuff. I didn't feel that Frank Field would pass as a Yusuf Kasim. Frank Finlay? Frank Finlay, sorry, not Frank Field. I think he would. I think he would. I could see it. Didn't they say his dad was Egyptian and his mum was English? Yeah. 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 That's it. They explained his, like, ancestry, didn't they? Like, he had, um, yeah, like an English parent and an Egyptian one. Yeah, yeah, okay. and he's got kind of his features are quite. I I think he could, especially if you think about him in Casanova. It's more yeah. realistic if you do that. That is true. No, I think that's in true. Mid nineties. Yeah, <laughs> but he's a very sort of refined looking gent, isn't he? He's very sort of pre pre pre. What am I trying to say? He's just tall, basically. I just get one over by anyone who's tall. The yeah, end. that is true. So, yeah, so basically, yeah. So the, the bad news is this stuff is nicked. 
doesn't belong to them. And so obviously the foreign office aren't going their, their plan was terrible and Rachel has called the police. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was illegal. So, and then we see... Unlike, um, unlike Lovejoy, it's like, if something illegal happens, you call the police. And it's like the yes. opposite of Lovejoy's philosophy. Yes. If something illegal happens, you pretend that you are a detective and solve it yourself. And then yes. we, so then we see the mysterious Mr. Plum, in inverted commas, um, in a car showroom using the money that Lovejoy gave him to buy a really swanky car. Very nice car, isn't it? And he drives off before the car showroom has finished counting the money. So he's like, goodbye. And they're like, wait, I haven't finished counting the money yet. Which is like, oh, it's all the there, end. he says. Yeah, it's all there, goodbye. <laughs> the thing is, like, um, I thought as well, this is a very not very inconspicuous way of spending your money. So if you're if you're pretending to be someone else, using that fake person's name and going around trying, you know, you're just then mm. going to drive around in a roller. I mean, I don't know. I guess he did. I was going to say, you, you, you'd buy like a Renault Clio, wouldn't you, or something in the oh, mid-90s? Oh, did he buy it? He's bought it in cash. Now he can sell it on for cash. Then he's got clean cash. And then That's... he's going to buy Renault Clio. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I should just say before that, before we see all that happen, basically, yeah, the police are there, and Rachel says to, to Charlotte and Lovejoy, "Oh, you should just leave the stuff here," um, and I think they they do. I wasn't quite sure what happened at that point because you just then because then we just cut to Charlotte and Lovejoy going back to Harold Plum and in inverted commas, mm. aka Yusuf Kasim's house, to yeah. sort of obviously be like, "What the fuck." Um, I think they do leave it there because they end up not making any money out of it. It now the plot is just how does he get his hundred grand back? Yeah, how does he get the deeds for the flat back? Yeah, and save so Vicky. so they go to yeah they go to um, Yusuf Kasim's house and that's where they discover it wasn't his house. It wasn't his son's house. The Mm-mm. son has returned, but actually he was just a house sitter, and so yeah. it was never. I mean, unsurprisingly, it was part of his tissue of lies. Charlotte says some absolutely amazing insults at this point because Lovejoy has to come clean and say, "Listen, I put Vicky's flat up as collateral." Mm, so I'm, Charlotte is angry. I'm, I'm not. I haven't just lost the money. I've potentially lost the my flat. daughter's flat. Yeah, Charlotte says, "Was your tail rattling as you slid across the floor?" <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm taking that one and using it. I loved it. That was. And then she says something even more horrible. When you die, you'll have so few friends. You'll only have one handle on your coffin. (laughs) On the inside. On the inside. I thought that was so mean. I know. I mean, it was a little bit harsh, considering he obviously feels terrible. I mean, he. She is angry. I know she's a bit mean, isn't she? She is, but she just can't believe that he would do. Because it is a pretty shitty thing to do, and I guess up until this point, she's kind of. Obviously, we know that she really cares about Lovejoy. She's she thinks that he's a, mm. essentially a good person, you know, and heart she in the right place. Wants to save his health, like she does like him. And but yeah, and whereas him doing that has kind of made her think that everything she thinks about him is wrong. Because mm. if he can do if he can do that, what else can he do? So she's very she's not really angry with him. I think she's more angry about what it means. Yeah, you know, in for the grand her, scheme of things and their relationship. So, but yeah, she's she's properly yeah. pissed off. Um, and in the meantime, obviously, he's promised Popov the faker two hundred quid to fake these documents, so he could sell the stuff on when that was actually still the plan. So he goes to Popov to kind of say, "Look, I, you know, I'll still give you the money." Popov's but... remarkably understanding about he's it all. So he's just looks about a bit it, sad, isn't he? doesn't he? I love him. But uh, this this is where we discover the egg. The eggs, the, not the egg secret, 
the importance yes. of the egg because Popoff says, listen, John Hill's done you over. Well, actually, he did my granddaughter over as well because she came to London. She sold him... No, she pawned, I guess, this Fabergé egg. Yes. And he never gave her the money and she had to go back to Russia. And so Popoff would really like to get one over on John Hill. And... and um they come up with this idea because he has a Geiger counter. By the way, why does he this just is, have this a Geiger counter? This is where he jumps the shark, I'm just going to say. <laughs> why does he just... Oh, but fortunately I've got a Geiger counter. But I do like... Um, You know what's nice here is that it sort of gives love joy because he's a bit down about it all and he knows he's done something mm. stupid. But actually, then there's this tale of, you know, this wronged... Um, We know he's very fatherly. This other wronged daughter. There are two wronged daughters in this plot now. And he's like, right, that's it. Let's get him. Yeah. He gets he gets his spirit back, doesn't he, at this point, really? Because all I really realised that was happening here, so this is pretty much all I can contribute to the rest of the episode. <laughs> so on. I'm going to say this and then I'm just going to have to shut up. Or maybe go ask on. some questions. So all I realised then was that they go to see the low shark with a Geiger counter and hazmat suits. Yeah, so basically when, when they're at Popoff's <laughs> uh, workshop or whatever, Popoff says, I've got a plan, I've got this Geiger counter, all I need is a beautiful blonde scientist. How does he have a Geiger counter? I my, want husband's, to know how... my husband's got a Geiger counter, I will say, oh, but at work. Oh, oh well, that's fair enough. But that's... if he for some reason needed to pull off a ridiculous plot that involved breaking into a safe and getting hold of a Fabergé egg, he would yes. probably bring the Geiger counter from work so we could do it. Um, yes. Sorry, but... I spoke over you with the slight, the, the next bit of misogyny. <laughs> yes, so they basically go, right, we can figure out a way of getting this egg back off John Hill, which will allow us into the safe where the deeds are as well. Uh, we just need a beautiful blonde scientist. I don't know why she has to be beautiful. Why does and it have to be beautiful and blonde? But I don't yes, know if Popoff said that because to make this joke happen, which is that Charlotte's in the room as well, and she's sort of looking at something else. And I really love those jokes where somebody says, "We just need somebody to do this or this," and then there's a silence, and the person who they, they obviously want to do it is like, yes. "No," and they sort of look around like, "Me?" I really love that. I I love that whatever it's called joke i suppose but so i don't know whether he just said it because charlotte is blonde and beautiful because it didn't feel like that was really integral to the success of this plot the success was on the geiger counter going off at the right time so it wasn't that that she needs to be sexy and all sort of like beguile him and sort of yeah because she's not doing that is she i mean this is where it did go Completely stupid and ridiculous, but I'd been enjoying it, so I was kind of just swept along. I was able to suspend my disbelief because the next note that I've written says, Charlotte actually does it! Exclamation point, exclamation point. So off she trots to John Hill's house in her hazmat suit. Well, she's probably doing it more for the wronged daughters than for... Yes, Lovejoy, isn't she? But well, also, I mean, she, she just really laid into Lovejoy. I don't know why she's helping him, but because okay, she wants, okay. because she cares. The wronged daughter. Because mm-hmm. it's not a for Lovejoy, is it? She wants Vicky not to suffer. Yeah. Also, I do wonder if secretly she does want to. Uh, I mean, she does love him. I don't know. There, there's something bizarre about this. The whole thing that it's a bit of mm. fun. Yes. Can you dress up as a? I mean, the, the whole thing's very odd. So she dresses up in her white hazmat suit. She goes and knocks on John Hill's penthouse apartment and she basically Wouldn't she says, have her hair completely in one of those like hair things? I don't feel that the whole would. thing was... I had she a does lot eventually of... do that, doesn't she? But she doesn't have it like that at the start. Here's how I've described this scene. Go on. Charlotte actually does it. Brackets. 
Who are the other two? So she's got these other scientists with her, which isn't even the most of it. So she's got another two no. scientists with her who've come into the flat. She's waving her Geiger counter around. She's saying, your egg is from Chernobyl. You need to <laughs> let me check it with this Geiger counter. It's radioactive. Then I've written radioactive egg. Then um, he says something like, oh, you just want to look at my egg. Yeah. And there then- are... Go on, uh, yeah. go on. Sorry, you finish off. Finish it's off, just, sorry. it's the way that John Hill kind of says, he's sort of going with it, and then he's like, no, 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 you just want to sort of nick my egg. And she goes, oh, really? Well, look. And he looks out of the window, and the whole street is sealed off. There's different vehicles. Yeah. There's, um, like, hazard tape. There's people on loud hailers. She's got a walkie-talkie with somebody talking into it who isn't Lovejoy, going, is it clear? And blah blah blah. I'm like, how did they get all how these people? How they achieved all of that? People? You know what? I had so many, but how did they do X? Because presumably, if they'd done that, they would have evacuated the block. They haven't, mm. or she maybe they wouldn't. They maybe have. they just maybe they just say stay in your room. Yeah, but they haven't because he's in his flat. There is so much uh, <laughs> a collapse of plausibility at this point. Yeah, it's very funny. But wouldn't somebody come along and go, um, sorry, what are you doing? Like the police or someone? Yeah, what well, anyone that off this entire anybody. street? Yeah. Uh, although I suppose they'd have to... So it isn't just to con him. Presumably anyone that passes by within the hour or so that it'll take mm. them to hazard tape off half a street, evacuate a building, presumably they've got... I mean, this is the thing. It's not just I've got a Geiger counter and a white suit. It's I've got a Geiger counter, 10 white suits, a load of lackeys, two vans, a huge lead-lined box. I will say, though, now that you're talking, I've realised there have been two separate incidents within the last 72 hours in my life, where I have gone past something that's been cordoned off. Admittedly, there have been obvious police there, but you could probably like fit up a police van to look like police, right? And I've not thought anything of it. I've just been like, oh, I'll just go around the yeah, other but, way. But they didn't so have you... big signs with like radioactive, with <laughs> no, the little radioactive <laughs> symbol on them. Yeah, because like, if you lived in that block, you know, and you saw that happening, you might like go outside and be like, oh, what's going on? Like, You'd look on the news after and go, why wasn't this on the news? Yeah. It's clearly then, a massive thing. But say, that's all right, because really all they need to do is get in, get the egg, well, open the safe, really, um, and get out again. So it doesn't matter once they've actually got out of the area. Like, it doesn't matter if he finds out it was all fake. So, so what she's doing is pointing her Geiger counter generally around the flat and going, oh, yeah, that clicking is just the background radiation. That's totally normal. Where's this egg? Let me see. And then when she points it at the egg, it goes, like, off the charts. And he's starting to get really, really scared because she's going on about all these side effects he's going to have and that he won't live very long. And like and really people grim. will be scared. It's 10 years, although he said he hadn't heard, he of, he hadn't Chernobyl, heard of it. Was just and it was ridiculous. 10 years or less than that. It 86. was eight years before, 86. It was eight mm. years before. So people, everyone would know about Chernobyl because everyone was still panicking yeah. about yeah, Chernobyl yeah. At, at this time. <laughs> I've written down, the plot works. This is very silly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I'm sorry, like... I mean, so did they explain how they knew that he had an egg from Chernobyl? No, she says, oh, she she must give some sort of backstory about we've been tracking down all these different things and we believe somebody gave you this egg to kind of get rid of it and yeah. they've tricked you, blah, blah, blah. And I guess because he's a schemer. He, he just assumes thinks, everyone oh, right, else okay, is as awful as him. It literally makes no sense. So, so, she, so she, the guy who goes mad 
at the safe. At the egg. And so then he opens the safe. And then they take the egg out with like a litter picker, which allows her to... Oh, no. I thought it was going to allow her to also take the deeds out, but that doesn't actually happen. I've just made that up in my head. What happens is then Lovejoy comes in and says, it's the last day for me to pay back my loan. What's going on? Who are all these people? And John's like, it doesn't matter. Take the deeds. Just go. Just go. I'm dying. Because Charlotte has pointed the guy counter at his dick and made it go... (laughs) So now he thinks his penis is going to fall off. To be fair, Lovejoy in the van says, <laughs> Has he stepped too his far. Dick in the egg? <laughs> Has he just been rubbing the egg? I mean, it does make you wonder where it that egg is. It does make you wonder been. what it's been doing with the oh, egg. Guys, I didn't think of that at all. That's oh, so, so innocent. I it's just disgusting. assumed all the radioactivity had transferred itself to one to his willy. location for some it's, reason. It's, everything about this is right. I, I mean, the awful thing is, I, I don't know what I'm going to I'm so torn with this episode because I enjoyed it so much. But plausibility. The plausibility. It was as implausible the as the Welsh cave and the bomb. So, so basically, is that the <laughs> end? Even so like, like, no, no managed... that's not the end. Something no, 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 very special end. happens at the end. Well, two things have still got to happen. So, John Hill thinks he's going to die. He lets Lovejoy take the deeds back because he just doesn't give a shit anymore about any of that. And then he says, it doesn't really matter. The hundred grand I gave you was counterfeit. Yeah. So the money, so the money wasn't Harold even real. Plum had that he gave to the car dealership for his car is all dodgy is money, fake. and presumably he'll get tracked down from it. I don't know. Unless so the actually, car was a hundred grand. So again, everybody's well. Maybe everybody's going to get their comeuppance. Although actually, probably not, because he's driven off and says never contact me again. Has presumably changed his name back. So oh, who I knows? forgot but, he said. Yeah, he did say. But that. he might. It might somehow mm. get tracked back to him. But either way, everybody's sort of got their comeuppance. Although including the poor old car dealer, which seems a bit unfair. Um, but but Lovejoy, Lovejoy. I say I've written Lovejoy wins. I guess he does because he's now got the he's got the egg to give back. Is he going to just give it he back? He hasn't lost the flat, I suppose. So he's, but he's back to even. He's, back he's just to how back he was to where he was. So he hasn't really won, but he is back to where he was, and he he's done lost, a good deed. And Charlotte's yeah. played dress up. Yes, yes, and I quite like that Charlotte dressed up and not Lovejoy. But we must talk about the final. It can't scene. be Lovejoy, can it? Oh no, because he would have known. I'm so yeah. No, exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. Can't be. Go on, talk about the final scene then. Go on. Naked Lovejoy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, once again, he was naked at the beginning, but he seems more naked in this scene <laughs> because more, he is. But not that naked because it's still before the watershed well, on a Sunday evening. So he's butt naked, getting smashed about with his big sponge or whatever it is by uh, um, Maury oh, again. Yes. And uh, and because obviously he's still using Charlotte's birthday present to go and have his spa treatments. Yeah. <laughs> Maury says. Oh, there was somebody else in here who had a load of antiques. And Lovejoy, naked Lovejoy, leaps up from the marble table, (laughs) pulling a very small towel over his areas to preserve his modesty, (laughs) and then dives into the plunge pool. And then that's the end. That's the end. It was a beautiful ending. I will say... It, I thought it left very little to the imagination. It did, I and I enjoyed if it I wanted hugely. to pause it, which I did not do, because I'm not Polly, if I'd wanted to pause it and have a look, I think I could have done. No, yeah, but you Which you couldn't, couldn't have done in the 90s, you see. I don't no, think a VHS you... would have been that sensitive. But it but... didn't show anything. Mm. They were they were careful mm. to... In- mm. It didn't show anything that sure. it shouldn't have shown. <laughs> Um, but it was a good ending, and it was, it was a, a, a sort ending. of rip roaring episode. It just had absolutely no credibility at all, <laughs> but I quite enjoyed it. Yes. 
It was a good story as well. It so it sort of goes very. It, I think the problem is the first part of it is very very believable, and we've it had is. absolutely pretty much through all of series six, maybe. It has been quite prosaic, believable, everyday, recognisable things that we're used to. Like, yes. here's Soho being gentrified. Here's a pawnbroker being a bit of a git, you know. There was a like, lot of social commentary it, going on, wasn't there, really? This kind of had that vibe to it, and then it just went, woo, at the end, like the Geiger counter, in fact. But you know what? I quite, I quite enjoyed that. It wasn't yeah. as stupid as the Welsh episode. I just realised I did say it was as stupid as the Welsh episode, and actually, I don't think it was because there was no bomb. But it was so. pretty stupid. It, it was, was but it was stupid. fun. And <laughs> actually, fun. I mean, again, I sort of believed him as a loan shark, you know, and the fact that he doesn't yes. know anything about it. It's all about the money. He's got this mm. priceless, arguably priceless, uh, you know, this munch painting in his. It, it was very funny. There were some great. Or not quite in jokes because I think most people will know who Munch is. My my favourite line because I'm a massive uh, Terry Pratchett fan is there's a there's a book about a uh, vaguely about a painting, and he says it's the most famous painting in the world. Every civilized person has seen it. Seen it. What does it look like? Said Corporal Nobbs, and that's one of my favourite <laughs> lines in Pratchett. But it, yeah, it was a bit like that. Like I thought, and it was like that. I and thought he was, John Hill was believable. He was like, "Oh, I don't like yeah, it." Because he me was the screamers. It You're was like, what that incredibly, incredibly piece famous. Of art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only bit of art that anyone actually wants to go and see. By mm. you know, so marks out of ten. Um, I'm so torn. I'm torn. I'm basically torn between giving it sort of a ten and a four. <laughs> I mean, go in the middle. Seven. No, no, no. I'm going to give it seven point five because it was. I thought some of the dialogue was brilliant. The dialogue. Was I'm very even. Good, isn't it? I'm. I'm going towards giving it an eight just because it was so enjoyable. It was only the. I I, I had to suspend my disbelief that little bit too much, and we've had this with Terry's episodes before including the, that one very early on that i think we gave or i gave far too low marks to whether they just get a little bit too silly but they're amazingly fun to watch yeah and i don't oh! oh well i was gonna say 7.5 as well okay Polly. so actually right. you're in good company i'll with give me. it a 7.5 because it was funny and i could follow the plot and the characters were believable and funny um, I just, the end bit was too elaborate. Although I say that, my husband said, you can put on a fluorescent jacket and do anything yeah, you want. You I immediately become, that. so she, it's a bit like that. They're all, all are all a lanyard. So they're all actually in their white suits. It's a, mm. maybe, maybe they could just go. I, I just want to know where they got all the signs from with the, uh, yeah, I think it would have been if they hadn't have had all the people outside yeah. blocking off the road and they, they just had a line that said something like, yeah. Oh no, there isn't anybody outside because because we don't want to cause any panic. That's we the thing, are just you... here to check that this is all right. Oh, Obviously, yeah. if the guy account goes off, then we'll remove it and yeah. we'll, we'll contain the, exactly. the problem. But it was just ridiculous that they suddenly had it hundreds was. of people outside. Or if it was like a little kind of montage scene showing how they got it all together and who the people were. Yes. yes. That would have been quite fun as well. But yeah, yeah Lovejoy just... pulling in his favours. And actually, we don't know what happens in the editing because you can write the most well thought out plot in the world but it's still got to fit into your 50 minutes or whatever yeah and if yeah, the director yeah, yeah. makes a decision or the you know the editor's like well let's get rid of this bit 
then you know you're only the I writer. just want to know where they got all the all the kind of stickers from I wonder if they'd uh, <laughs> they'd had like a day trip to Sellerfield and just bought some souvenirs <laughs> got all stuff. it was so fun I mean it had Naked Lovejoy in it which I think always oh. deserves at least an extra half a point if not it a full does, point it does um, and uh, it also mentioned Stressum so it on. does that's true it did yeah. I mean that was very exciting so you're giving it seven and a half M. Mm. I think I'm going to go with seven yeah. Because like for the similar reason of what Paul said, it's like somewhere between a ten and a four. <laughs> oh, there was no Beth. And so, no Beth. And no Beth. Yeah. But it was yeah, so no it Beth. was so funny. I'd forgotten how much I used to really love this episode because it was really funny. Yeah. What though are we gonna have antiques of the week? Because I mm. I had so many things I wanted out of this. Well, I would like the vase, please. Because I do right, love a good one of I the do things. love a good bit of pottery or vase. porcelain or whatever i do i do like a nice a bit of vase a nice ceramic item and it was very pretty i want the um in john hill's flat he had another piece of art <laughs> which um it occurs to me i probably should have looked up both the name and the artist of i think it's called surprise isn't it you know with the one with the tiger is it manic oh it might be yeah i, I, might I don't be. think it was manic i'll have to look it up and put it in but um it's like a big painting of a tiger stalking through some grasses and it's um I yeah. just, I just really, really like it. It's a, it's a Tate Modern, and um, it's one of my favourite paintings. I just think it's so. The tiger's got such a funny face, um, and it's a really important bit of twentieth century had that, had that art, been or possibly nicked? even nineteenth century. I didn't look up if that had been nicked and if that was supposed it, to be. It's a Russo. Sorry, Henri Russo. Russo. There you go. I knew it was French. <laughs> tiger in French. a tropical storm. Brackets. Thank you. Surprised. Surprised. Oh, That's what I remember. Surprised. But I do. I love that picture, and I love the idea that maybe the one that's hanging in the Tate is actually like a fake and the real yeah. one is just in some random loan sharks penthouse. So for that reason, and partly because I've always liked it, I would actually, I know I should go for the toast rack if it's a toast rack. I'm going to go for the Munch painting, which I have not seen, which I and I would really like to mm. see it. I, I like it just i like it anyway because i i like modern art but i like it because of all the emotions that it, it is it is a creepy uh, heart-rending you know it, the 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 emotions as somebody who as i've said many times on this podcast um had, suffers from depression and had a sort of almost a breakdown a while ago i i think that's the, it's it's the most amazing bit of art it really encapsulates you know, uh, despair. Where is yeah. it? And terror. I, I think, I, I used to think it was in Oslo because there's the Munch Museum, but I don't think it is. I think it's in the Met or somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, the I screen. think it's somewhere you don't expect it to be. I think it is in the National Gallery of um, Oslo. In it, Oslo. it is, yeah. It is. There you go. I d- well, oh, that's, is that what you've learned? Uh, oh, I've learned. I've literally just learned that. I did know, actually, some of the radioactive stuff, again, it was close enough to the truth, even though I mm. thought it was implausible. But actually, you know where they say, oh, well, well, we need to take this away and it's radioactive. I do remember around this time, I think it was in 1990, 1992, so only two years before this, when Pol to Pol came out. Yes. And one of the things he did in Pol to Pol was oh, they went Michael. to Chernobyl. Lovely Michael Palin. Mm. Michael Palin reference, ticket off on your bingo card. Um, <laughs> they, they went and they were told to throw away the clothes that they'd worn oh, wow. that day when they I went into yeah. that area. I, I, and it's... So I, I, it is sort of believable that, you know, things that have come into contact with this, I'm not sure if since then they've proved that, no, that that's, you know, I mean, was there a Fabergé egg in Chernobyl? 
But, I mean, the, it was part of the Soviet Union. There could have been all sorts of things. I don't think she even claimed it was from, like, the middle of Chernobyl. No, she didn't. Did she? she just said Russia. I learned, I did actually write down what I'd learned. It was <laughs> right at the beginning when Tinker said something along the lines of, everything has its own speed. Everything happens in its own time. And you shouldn't try and push it or rush it because that's when things go wrong. And that's, which is exactly what happens, obviously, it is. in this episode. This is true. Gosh, he does I didn't try and notice. rush it. And it's, um, I didn't pay that level of attention to it, Em, but that's, that's very true. <laughs> and I also learned my new favourite insult. Did your tail rattle as you slid across the floor? I that mean, is a good gift. insult. I that's a good insult, it. but it's awful. It's I absolutely awful. loved it. But yeah, that um, is good. Helen, did you learn anything? Content. Well, yes, very predictably, I learned about the Locarno. In Streatham, and it's and I'm so fascinated, and I'm now going to go. I think I'm going to go to the Streatham Society website. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Helen, I joined the Streatham Society in lockdown, and it was one of the best decisions of my life. It's absolutely brilliant. It's so much fun. They've embraced Zoom. Anyone Excellent. out there who is, is listening to this for some reason is interested in Streatham is. Um, <laughs> Look them up. They're fantastic. I love them. Oh, oh. just give them a follow on Facebook because they, they post loads of great content. Um, fair. It's very exciting. So, yeah, I feel like the, there was so much history there and the sort of various uses of it over the years. Ruth Ellis working mm, there. That's an interesting link. amazing. So, yeah, that was my piece of learning. And it, it was Ian McShane that, that oh. taught me. <laughs> um. So that's it for this episode. You can come and find us online at Lovejoy Apod. We are all um, busy training for the oh, half marathon, are. which is going to take place in October, but it's a half marathon, so we've got to start now. And so you can find out about our running exploits and why yes. we're doing it by going to lovejoyactually.com forward slash trinity. Um, and you can also join us on Patreon for extensive cocktail information. Um, and some behind the scenes. Uh, I was yes. going to say footage. Is it footage if you're just audio? Is that footage? No, no I don't know what it is. Um, Content. But do do um, rate, review, and subscribe. We haven't had. I'm mentioning this because we have not had any reviews for a while. Oh, and yeah? I know that we have some new listeners because they're lovely and they talk to me on the Twitter. Um, so if you are enjoying the podcast, or even if you're not enjoying the podcast, and you really want to get all your pent up fury out by writing a bad review, just yeah, leave I was going to say, and it helps us to improve. But we've only got like it three does. episodes left, so <laughs> yeah, we can make the final three episodes <laughs> less crap if actually you hate us. Um, <laughs> We, we, we've actually had a load of new ratings, but no reviews. So we're, we're on a 4.8 out of 5 oh, at the moment. Oh, thank you, good. everyone. That's thank, thank you so yeah, the, much. The more you review, the, the more it kind of puts us in front of other people who yes. might be interested in this and Absolutely. vice versa. So it, it, works, it works well, I think. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Let's tell the world of all our guilty pleasures. Love, joy, and you've got touch, then you've got tinkle, 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 valuable.